0: Hello and welcome to Culture In Between, a podcast all about exploring the unique experiences of people who grew up in a culture outside of their parents' culture. We are your hosts, Alyssa and Brianna, and in today's episode, we have the honor of interviewing June, whose parents are from Korea. Welcome to the show,
1: June. We're really excited to get to talk to you today. Thank you so much, Alyssa and Brianna. Uh, it's awesome to be on the <laughs> show called Culture In Between. I'm excited to uh, see more of these episodes. But I'm honored to be here, you know. I I don't think you should be. I'm I'm honored to be here on this show, and I'm excited to talk about different cultures. You know, I think I think be really. Yeah, great. for
0: sure. And so I'll just kind of like tell the audience a little bit how we know each other. So June and I actually met at a tech conference back in April, a conference called React Miami, and uh, he gave a great uh, presentation. And then kind of like in the little break room area, I think we I just happened to chat with you. And then I don't know how it came up. I think it was like actually at some after party thing afterwards, we started talking about the podcast and, and he really encouraged me to kind of continue with it. So I don't know, that's how we met. So and I really appreciate the encouragement, June. And here we are. So there you go. It's exciting. Uh, yeah, to make it happen. So I don't know, I guess for, for our audience, do you want to just maybe provide a, just a brief introduction to yourself?
1: Yeah, Alyssa, thank you so much for the warm intro. Uh, like I said before, I'm super excited to be here today. And Alyssa, you left out the most important part. We met each other in Miami. <laughs> That's true. When we were doing it at the at the tech conference, so it was not only a great conference, but a great ambiance and you Very know true. things to do in Miami, right? So um, excited to be here today. A quick intro about me. I am June. I work in tech for over a decade now, which makes me an old man in tech. On <laughs> my free time, I like to. I'm a big foodie. And one of my goals in life is to go to every single Michelin star restaurant in the world and give a review on it just to see how, because there's different levels of Michelin stars. There's like, you know, really cheap ones, the expensive ones, right? And I just want to see the differences, just like this podcast we're on, right? With the <laughs> cultures and the differences, trying to yes. link that together. I'm also into gaming. So, you know, as a tech bro, you know, I'm into all things geeky and nerdy. So I play a lot of games with my fellow friends after work. I live in San Francisco Bay Area, so I love the Warriors, obviously. Uh, <laughs> big, big basketball fan. I live like a couple blocks away from the Chase Center, which is where, where they play. And okay, Oracle nice. Park is actually right across the street from me. So I also That'd go to a lot cool. of um, cheap baseball games with my buddies. So that's, <laughs> nice. a, that's a quick little intro of about me.
0: Uh, Brian is a Heat fan, so I don't know. She might have some... Feelings about the <laughs> well, the Heat and the Warriors have
2: never actually played each other oh, okay. in, the, in the playoffs before, so it's all right. I'll let it slide.
1: <laughs> is your is your favorite player Hemi Butler?
2: <laughs> uh, I do. Is love that your Jimmy. favorite player?
1: Okay. Yeah. It's Hemi. I don't
2: know. Ever since <laughs> it's Hemi.
0: It's Hemi. Right. Oh my
2: gosh! Yeah. Ever since Dwayne Wade retired, I don't think I've replaced him with a favorite since then. But obviously, Jimmy is is you know he is the heart and soul of the Heat now. So yeah, yeah, I love Jimmy. I love Hemi. Hemi. There, <laughs> you, there go.
1: you go. There you go. And and you're close. You know you got to the finals this year. There's been yeah, talks true. that you, yeah. you might get Lillard in some crazy trade. We so are we
2: are getting Lillard. We, there you go. It's I'm happening. Speaking it into I'm existence. I'm speaking it into existence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. You
1: say it, It'll come true. You know, if you keep saying yes. it, it'll come true.
2: Yes. Yes, I think so.
1: <laughs> hey, you got to
0: give a heat credit. A lot of times they pointed out that they have undrafted players. I know. And hey, oh they, my they, they are scrappy. I got to give them that. So. Yes. They are. Sure. They definitely are. <laughs> <And> to,
2: <laughs> to transition into kind of.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Brianna's going <laughs> to keep us on point. So, no, no, this is good. In
2: your introduction, you didn't quite mention that you, you are, in fact, uh, from South Korea. So, can you tell us where exactly in South Korea your, your parents and your family are from?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Brianna. Um, I failed to mention that my in my Genesis story. <laughs> um, so I was born in Korea. I was born in Seoul, which is the capital of Korea, uh, South Korea, uh, to, yes, to, to, yes. To, to, to set the record straight. And I was there until when I was like around nine or ten. And then I immigrated over to San Francisco. Well, I didn't do it. My parents did. it. Uh, they thought it would be the easiest I guess transition for me because there's a lot of Asian Americans in the Bay Area. so I think that's the reason why they picked San Francisco. been here ever since. Quick little backstory that's a little funny, but also very real. If you're a male and you're born in Korea, when you turn 18 you have to go to the military. That rule is still still true till today. So you have you know big bands like BTS who you know had to go to the military. So for me, I was a little high-energy kid. Um, So my my mom knew that I wouldn't survive in the military. So once I immigrated (laughs) over here, she got the wheels in the works to get me my American citizenship. Um, So I had to relinquish my Korean citizenship to avoid going into the military. Uh, But that's a quick little little fun tip. Interesting.
2: (laughs) And so you mentioned that your parents, at least in part, they moved to San Francisco because there were other Koreans there. There's a Korean community there. So so did you feel very uh, ingrained in the Korean community, in the Asian community in San Francisco growing up?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think of it as a double-edged sword, so to say, <laughs> in, in, in in one regards. Um, obviously, I'm Korean. When I came over here, I didn't know any English or very broken English and in the minds of my parents, it's like, it'll be easier if you hang around with a lot of other Korean people. Not just <laughs> Asian Americans, but Korean people in particular. So then mm-hmm. I'll keep my native tongue. Uh, I'll be around some of my peers who kind of grew up the same way I've done. So I went to a Korean church and to Korean school. And in the beginning, that's what it was, you know, trying to be around as many Korean people as possible. But then as you found out, I'm like, hey, like, I don't speak Korean when I go to school. You know, I was in an ESL. And I'm like, why am I learning Korean in this manner when English is the most common language here, right? Before, I, I left this little bit out too. When I was growing up in Korea, you know, I knew only a few things about America. One was Kobe Bryant. Second thing was McDonald's. <laughs> Third thing was pizza. Um, oh my God. And, and nice. back then, you know, American fast food was like a luxury. You know, it's like analogous for people here to go to like not a high-end restaurant, but it's like a medium to low like a TGI Fridays or or right. a Chevy's or something like that right it's, It was like an experience to go there right so I was like, oh man, it's gonna be so cheap when I get there. it's gonna be amazing and then I knew about Kobe and I'm like, man, I thought like Kobe and like people of the African-American descent were like superheroes. I was like, how could they jump so high? How can I not jump so high? Why did they rank <laughs> so fast? Why can I you know do that right so that was a common thread. And when I came over to the States after finishing, you know, Korean school and all that, I was like, man, I'm not learning English the rate I want to learn it, you know? So I started playing basketball in the streets of San Francisco, outdoor pickup. And the beauty about that was there wasn't that many Korean people. There was a lot of white people, a lot of black people, a lot of Mexican people, a lot of other people, right? So it forced me to learn English mm-hmm. and and that was like the common thread that connected me from, from Korea to here because like math, basketball is universal, you know, the hoop is 10 feet high, the court is a certain dimension, the rules are the same or, or somewhat, you know, now it's a little different with international rules. Yeah, when I, when I finally started to learn English and all that kind of stuff in San Francisco, it really allowed me to connect with my real peers at school. Because when you play basketball, there are certain things that you learn that you don't learn from like an ESL book. An ESL book Mm -hmm. is very proper English. It's like, hello, ma'am. How's your day going? (laughs) You know, and it's very proper English rather than just natural English. I think that's the best way I could describe it is you fill with Mm -hmm. a lot of slang words, some swear words. Some uh, uh, idioms and idioms was a hard thing for me to grasp because there was no idioms yeah. back in Korea. So, um like a fun idiom is like, "Oh, it's raining cats and dogs," you know. And and mm-hmm, I always mm-hmm. thought I'm like, "But why cats and dogs? You know, why can't it be like giraffes <laughs> and elephants? Because they're bigger animals. And in that sense, you know, they they pee more or something like that. I don't know. Like, why why is it cats and dogs? Oh, that's just the way it is. You know, a lot like law of English rules. There's a lot of exceptions in English, right? <laughs> a before E, whatever that little rhyme goes, you know, like there's a lot of these gotchas in English and being on the basketball court really allowed me to connect with people at my school and at my peers. But the trade-off was that I started losing my Koreanness, ness and, and, mm. and, and I put that in quotes here because in my mind, I'm like, I'm not gonna use Korean when I go to school. I'm not gonna use Korean when I go to college. Why do I keep why are you pushing me to learn Korean you know so mm. um that's a little backstory of uh, me immigrating from nice.
0: Korea to. great great know mm-hmm. yeah that's a good uh so you kind of we talked into it a little bit about things I'm curious about you saying you felt like you kind of lost some of your Koreanness a little bit mm-hmm. what do you what is that uh, what do you uh mean by that I guess and like do you feel like you've gotten that back now that you are you speak English very well like as I said he he gave a speech at a tech conference guys and it was great so your English is fantastic now so like how do you feel like I don't know as you've gotten older kind of acclimated you know yeah how's that affected you
1: yeah that's a great question so when you are younger and you're going to middle school and you know a little bit of of I guess elementary school I'm not really sure Kids are mean, you know, kids, kids are very honest and very truthful. And this example has probably been said before, but I'm Korean and one of our major foods is kimchi. And if you're not Korean or maybe if you're not Asian, especially back then, it's very foreign. So um, my mom woke up early, made me a proper Korean lunch. And, you know, when I bring it to school, all my other friends that aren't Asian are like, dude, what is that? What's that smell? Oh, it's (laughs) gross. You know, Mm -hmm, like, it's mm -hmm. nasty. Whatever, whatever, you know, verbiage you want to put on it. And then as a kid who is a a fob, for lack of better words, can't really speak English that well, has a heavy accent, has a stuttering problem. I didn't want anything else to make my life a little bit more difficult, right? Right. So then instead of like, you know, traditional Korean food, it became like, mom, why don't you just, Give me money for like a hamburger or something or like a hot dog, you know, at school, because that's what all the other kids get. And then, as a very stereotypical Asian mom, she's like, What's wrong with my cooking? You don't like my cooking? You know, like <laughs> you grew up on, you love this. You love like all this Korean stuff. And I'm like, Well, like it's all my friends don't really like it and I'm trying mm-hmm. to learn English and it's, it's really hard, right? So, um, at that age, I personally started to detract away from going to not eating Korean food or especially, you know, when I'm going to school or going less to Korean school or less to Korean church. Cause I didn't think like what the point of that was, you know, cause the whole point that we immigrated over here, like most Asian families, there's only three professions that your parents will <laughs> be happy with. Right. Yes. Doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know? And if you're not those, then you're a, you're a failure. You know, you're just like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with you. Right. We can relate to that. Right. So <laughs> we, then, we can... so, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm a very logical type of person. I was like, well, if you want me to get to a good college, this Korean thing ain't going to help me get there. You know, I need to learn English at a very rapid pace so that I could kind of fit in with my peers, right? And to answer your second part of the question, Alyssa, um, in terms of am I getting it back, I go to Korea every year in December for the past like seven years, mm-hmm. six or seven years despite, you know, except for the pandemic time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all my relatives now are like, man, You know, look at this white boy coming through, you know, he lost all his Korean. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, like the whole point for me to go to America was for me to go to a good school and get a good job. And that's what I did. I I, I accomplished that. But it goes back to the point where, and and your podcast title is very relevant here, you know, a culture in between. For me, now I have no culture. I'm not really American, no matter how well I speak English or how many hamburgers I slam or how many pizzas (laughs) I could eat. Um, I'm not really Korean because I lost that tongue. I lost that accent. I lost uh, the values and, and the morals of, of, you know, being Korean. So I'm in this like purgatory limbo type of area, right? Where you, know, you go there and, and you're like, yeah, I'm Korean right like, now, you know, just the way you dress and the way you talk. talking, I don't think you're Korean. And then you said like, Oh, you speak very well English. But if I go to certain places in, in America, like the South and I've been there before for these tech conferences, uh, you know, People never think I'm American. They're like, oh, you know, this guy is you know American, right? Whatever that means. So, you know, like to answer a question long windedly, even though I want to get it back, I don't think I can get it back. Gotcha. If, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I mean I yeah, I feel like I got my mo- the most teasing when I was in elementary school for sure. So I can relate for different matters. I was a little bit tubby, but uh, <laughs> you know, I can Wait, I can you're get it. you're a bit what? tubby i was a bit t- tubby yeah like, <laughs> chubby or chubby or tubby oh. whatever you want to go with yeah Oh, okay, okay. I've, never, um, I've never heard that before
2: yeah <laughs> see there's another word yeah <laughs> um
0: but uh yeah so and and i told you we can relate to like my, my mom would say doctor teacher lawyer the kind of yeah her <laughs> mother was a teacher so, so yeah yeah, okay. but, uh, yeah okay. definitely you have kind of a limited scope of what careers and stuff so yeah interesting that's i can see how that's a bit conflicting yeah because you've you know you, you were brought here you you assimilated and, and and but now you're kind of like and you go back home so to speak it's oh no you're not really you're american now so but mm-hmm. when you're here it's like yeah i i can understand that confusion so for sure
2: all right so just kind of going back to your upbringing and you were so you were talking about what school was like and how you tried to fit in in the US but you're you're old enough to remember your schooling in, in Korea, at least a little mm-hmm. bit, I'm sure. So can you speak to some of the differences that you noticed when, like, between Korean school and American school?
1: Yeah, Korean school was a lot more ruthless, uh, <laughs> uh, where teachers sometimes resulted to physical violence. Like the ruler slap on the hand, that was very common. If you do it over here in the States, that's like a lawsuit waiting to happen, right? I think the vigor in, in Korean schools was a lot more intense i think i think the reason why is because if you compare korea to america korea has maybe three or four major companies that everyone wants to work at your samsung's your kia's your hyundai's maybe nantech or something else for like gaming and stuff like that but there's not a lot in america very different right you have tons of companies that are huge apple google Microsoft and then you have the entertainment stuff and then you know it's just there's a lot more opportunities in America, right So I feel that the vigor was a lot less you know in terms of just competition wise um, you know in Korea it was very common to do you know schooling afterwards and you know really do extra work as just part of your regular work. that's just natural over there. but over here you know like once you're it's three o'clock you're done and <laughs> my parents are like, if you have it over there, but like, well, you know, you can't be done. Now you gotta go to Kumon. You know, you have to do more. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? I just went through all this stuff in school. I <laughs> have to go to Kumon and do all this other stuff. And I'm like, but this is so lame. All my other friends are playing basketball and doing fun stuff right. and playing video games. Like, why well, do I, well, I need this? Oh, well, you have to do more because you're not American, so you have to keep up with everybody else. You know, you have to get out of this ESL stuff and blah 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 and all this other thing, right? So, I think I think that's the major difference is that. A lot of, I think, you know, Asian countries hold education at a very high standard. And they are very, in my opinion, follow the rules. Meaning that, hey, you got to do this. You got to get good grades. You got to study math. You got to study science. And this is how, this is the way you do it. And why you do it this way? Because it's always been done this way. So you have to do it the same way, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas in American schools, there's a lot of dexterity and flexibility in terms of like, oh, okay, like, you do schooling, but you want to do something else. All right, you, you do something else, you know. Or I'm really passionate about music. All right, well, we're going to make you know a lot more music classes and stuff like that, right? And it's still true today, where you know the U.S. is falling behind in, in science and mathematics compared to our Asian uh, counterparts, It's because we don't have that focus um, here here in, in America, and it's shown you know today, right? So I think that's like the biggest difference is that in America, you have a lot more dexterity and flexibility to follow your dreams and your passions where in asian countries your dreams and passions don't matter it's like you <laughs> you got to do math you got to do science you got to do this you know and you got to have a's and there's no if and buts about it there's no breaking the tradition or breaking the rules you know it's just like you have to go with this route because that's how it's always been done and i think that could be a good thing and, a, and also a detriment to to people
2: and you mentioned as well that you you've been back the last few you've gone back every year for the last few years uh, to korea uh did you go back when you were growing up as well like did your did you ever take trips as a child after you emigrated
1: a few trips but not as many because one it's pretty expensive to go back and yeah. forth from from korea to san francisco and i would characterize my family when i was growing up middle to lower class so like what we had to spend money on was very nickel and dime and, and very calculated but a lot of my family from Korea came to visit me here to visit our family in in San Francisco, right? So I think that's like I think the middle ground that my parents were were okay with. We went a couple times, they came a couple times, you know, vice versa. Um, but as I got older and I got a real job after college, then I started making real money, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay, like you know, going back to Asia is cool and and it's and it's and it's fun. Whereas you know, like I said before, when you're kind of growing up. At least for me, I was trying to distance myself. Uh, like, you know, I want to be more American and, you know, all that kind of stuff.
0: So because you've kind of like lived, you know, you've, you moved over at nine. And so you, so you had a good amount of experience in Korea. then you lived in the States the remainder of the time. Like what, what do you identify as? Like, do you see yourself as Korean American or do you like, is there a particular culture that you feel closer to, um, between, between the two of them?
1: I guess I would identify myself as Korean American. Korean being first intentionally because Mm -hmm. uh, that's where my roots are and that's where I came from. American is like the other half of of where I'm at now. And I think, you know, that term kind of encapsulates what I'm all about at this point of time in my life. And I think that's how it's always going to be because I don't intend to learn a lot more Korean as (laughs) years goes by. I just feel that learning language is, to me, is going to be antiquated pretty soon with the rise of AI and everything else like that. And I think what's going to be more universal is going to be coding or mathematics. That's universal to any culture, any place in the world. Two plus two is going to equal four, no matter what. And that's also with programming, right? There's certain rules in place where you need to do. And I think that is going to take a front seat, in my opinion. Maybe I'm a little biased because I work in tech and I've seeing what's going on there. but I think it's accelerating really quickly. So I, th- I think for me, I will, I, I will be an Asian American. That being said, do I fit anywhere naturally? No, um, I don't really fit in America naturally. I don't fit in Korea naturally. But I think that as you grow and as you, even if you move to like a different state, um, your identity might change a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. for example, if you live in a hot, humid climate and you go into, I don't know, like, Colorado or something like that you have to prepare for the snow and there's a whole culture behind that mm-hmm. and how you operate within there within like salting the ground and shoving the snow off your driveway right like that's a whole you know different culture you need to assimilate it into so I think that's where I'm at right now you know like I don't fit in anywhere but I do classify myself as a Korean American I don't have any permanent like home right now or, or what I think of as home But as the saying goes, you know, as as shallow and, and, you know, artificial as it may sound, you know, like the home is what you make of it. You know, (laughs) I could be living in Japan or I could live in Thailand or even somewhere in Europe. Um, I think I'll still be Asian American because I won't be learning a new language or anything like that. But I'll be acclimated within their culture for sure. And that's what I love to do as well as to travel and and to get a lot of different perspectives and all that kind of stuff.
2: And I I don't want to sound like a therapist, but like... My question is, how do you feel about that? About not really feeling like you fit in in either culture or, or anywhere, really? How How does that make you feel?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a spicy question. I yeah. like it. <laughs> I it like is. it a lot. Spicy I do feel that most of America, I think, has that feeling. Yeah. Meaning that America is like a melting pot, right? And you have a lot of different cultures coming together from all different walks of the world. And whatever American culture is, whether it be hot dogs or hamburgers, I feel that in America, specifically in America, everyone has to have like a dual culture or like, um, you know, you have your home culture and then you have your American culture, whatever that means, right? And I think America is unique in that way, you know, and I think that's the reason why we're still the top country in the world or whatever you want to label us as. But if you look at just a landscape of who is kind of pushing American culture to the next or American economy or whatever else to the next level, more often than not is people from different origins and different backgrounds. They're not like American American. And if you call like Caucasian American Americans, they too came from England or somewhere else, right? It's mm-hmm. not like the mm-hmm. only American American people here in America, is probably like the native American. That's, this is their, you know, kind of like their native land. Everyone else is just coming here from different places and and different parts of the world and kind of making it their own. You know, I see this in Korean culture. I see this in other cultures as well, where you have an influence. America has an influence and you Americanize a culture. A good example of that is probably food. There's Korean food here in America. We all know that. But if you have Korean food in Korea, it tastes a lot different. Mm-hmm. Than Korean food in America. <clears throat> Korean food in America has a lot more salts and sugars compared to Korean food in Korea, right? So that there's there's that that the change and that adaptation that that kind of went through our food here. But so I think that's also indicative to our culture where we adapted certain principles from America and we made it our own. You know, we made it like Koreanized, whatever you know, verbiage you want to put on it. But we kind of made it our own. And I think that's true with a lot of different cultures, right? Mm -hmm. So that's along with the way of me saying is is that there is no like unique culture in America. Like I said before, I think it's just like a melting pot. All different cultures coming together. And you Americanize it or whatever culture you eyes it. And then I think the beautiful part is that we learn from each other. We learn from each other's cultures in America and it has influence into our own culture and what we make of it today. Right. So I know that's a little confusing, but that's you know, oh, that how, that's, that, that's how I feel.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And that makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, that's true. Because we're all kind of from somewhere else. Whether Yeah. It's way back a couple generations or whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I
2: think um, like kind of what you were getting at is like that the feeling that you described of not really feeling like you belong anywhere, even people who can kind of trace their ancestry back like many years in the U.S., like maybe back to like the Pilgrim Age, they can probably, they probably still have this sense of like, oh, well, I'm way, way back. I was from England or I was from U- Scotland or something. So there is, yeah, I think there is always this sense. Of, I feel like it's, it's very um particular in America of people always wanting to kind of relate back to whatever culture their ancestors are from, even if it's way, way, way back. And then maybe people who, who don't know they try and, and have this like hyper, uh, obsessiveness about American culture, and they try to really hold on to that, and sometimes that can be a bit problematic. So, so yeah, I, I I totally understand that 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 feeling of of that. I think I think really when it comes down to it, all of us maybe have that as Americans. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. So another question I have is is maybe to because we got a little serious, maybe just to lighten it up a little bit. Do you have any like funny stories about your parents kind of being stereotypical immigrant parents? I don't know, doing anything kind of funny in that way?
1: Uh, Stereotypical funny stuff. Um, (laughs) I would say that, and I'm like this too, so I'm not going to knock my parents and maybe that's my upbringing. But I feel a lot of Asian parents and Korean people are very frugal are very frugal in certain things, right? So I, I think a funny thing is that you always want to find the deals and you always want to maximize the penny or the dollar that, you know, and extend that as much as possible, right? So when I was growing up and we go to a McDonald's or we go to a Taco Bell, I remember my mom would make the order and then you had the, what do you call those? Um, I don't even know the right terminology for it, but like the the right accessories that come with your meal such as your straws oh, or your napkins oh, or your hot yeah, yeah. sauce or your ketchup packets right yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah my mom would always get extra extra napkins extra <laughs> this extra that right i'm like why why you getting so much said, oh so we could put in the car so we have napkins <laughs> to use later on and, yeah. and then we have ketchup to use at home i'm like dude like the ketchup is only like this small like you could get like <laughs> one chicken nugget on there like what do we use this for <laughs> well it's what's better than you know buying it at the store right and that was always like ingrained in my head. Was like, okay, when I go to this place, I gotta maximize my dollar. And when I was growing up, we would always have McDonald napkins in our home, Not, and we would never buy napkins at the store because she thought it was a waste of money. You know, she's like, <laughs> "Why am I gonna buy napkins? When I could get the napkins for free." And I'm like, <laughs> "All right, okay, I, I think I think that's the way to do it." You know, but I, I think that as immigrants, you're you're naturally scrappy. You're naturally Unless, like, you come from a very affluent background, which is very little because you immigrate away from your country because you want better opportunities and better life for your kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, usually, immigrants aren't have, have a wealth of, of resources right. available, you know. So, that was one way that you would um, always have a stockpile of all these utensils. Mm-hmm. That's the word I was looking for utensils and napkins and sauce packets uh, readily available, you know. And I think that's a, uh, um, Pretty in Korean, not only in, in in Korean culture, but I see that all of a sudden love my Asian uh, friends' homes as well. You know, that's yeah. a pretty normal thing—is to stock your home with McDonald napkins. You know, whenever you go to McDonald's and get that extra you need, that's right? True. So
0: that's funny. We can—I mean, Caribbean experience, at least you know, Jamaican experience—that uh, we uh, I can definitely the frugality. Yes, my dad was very very frugal. I, I don't want to call him cheap, but he is definitely frugal. And like, I think it just comes from you know he grew up in a poor country. And so, um, the third world country and it's like, it's just, yeah. Like, so you naturally learn to reserve, I think. And so you kind of almost like can't get out of that mindset. So there's certain things where it's like, for some reason it was like paper towels in our house. My dad was very particular about not wasting paper towels. I guess those things are expensive. So to this day, I'm very, make sure I, if I really need to use that paper, towel, (laughs) I will uh, make sure it's necessary. So it's funny how even you know that really runs down to yeah. Like I definitely think that uh, you know they come here with humble beginnings and um and he said you said you your parents kind of grew up more like middle class, middle to lower class. Like you know, I know my dad always says how he I mean he was on food stamps at one point and didn't have a ton of money. And so I think it's just kind of having to do that hustle. Uh, they yeah. just that's all they know. So it's, it's it's kind of like you know for us we're like why are you doing that, mom and dad? But it's you know it's, it's just all they know. And so um actually that kind of reminds me of the initial question I was going to ask you when you were talking about. Uh, earlier is that uh did your parents because our, when our parents uh immigrated like they had family already like in the states and in a certain area um and that's where they went to so like my mom went to new york first for school my dad was in dc area uh did your fa- did you have uh family or or relatives or something already in the bay area is that kind of why they chose that location
1: no <laughs> no it was <laughs> i think it was primarily when i was telling my mom later and you know when i got older i was like why why'd you pick san francisco why don't you pick like okay. Wyoming or something like that right <laughs> yeah um and her like I said before I think her answer was uh, or her answer for sure was that there's a large population of Asian Americans in the Bay Area comparatively to you know other places in the states arguably there's a lot in New York also in LA but my mom hated the snow so New York was definitely not not <laughs> yeah. it and then when she went to L.A., she thought it was more like listen glamour than actually like academic related, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously she wants um, her kid to go to a good school and blah, blah, and all that kind of stuff. And then um, I guess she had the foresight to be like, well, you know, you have great colleges in the Bay Area, you have mm-hmm. Stanford and you have Berkeley, so you could go. You have two choices to go to either <laughs> of those schools and then, and then you can live at home so you can save money going back to that saving money part yeah. right yeah. and when i was growing up I'm like oh, okay that makes sense but as you get older you're like no i'm not gonna live at home when i go to college it's so right. lame you know like <laughs> this is my time to break free and and, and do you know what i want to do but that's the main reason why she picked the bay area was there's a large influx of, of asian americans that she thought it would be um especially back in her time where where racism was was um at the forefront, you know, and and mm-hmm. it was um a lot different times than what we're living in today. And, you know, as every any mom should, she wants to protect her kid as much as possible and to make that transition as easy as possible. Yeah. So that's why she picked San Francisco.
0: Gotcha. That's very considerate. Yeah. To make it a little bit easier for you to, you know, adjust and everything, because probably knowing it would be a little bit of a culture shock and all that. And so yeah, that's that's really nice. That's really
2: cool. And did you end up going to one of those universities? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I did. I did. You did? So, okay. Yeah. but you did. Yeah. did not live at home. You didn't I live at home. Okay. I didn't live at home. I didn't live at home. But I went to. I went to Berkeley and awesome. um, I went, I went to the full college life and and joined a frat and did all the fratty things and I still say to till this day Berkeley was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life compared to any work I've done compared to anything I've done so far in my life that was that the, the apex of like how hard you know, I just had to live, you know, because one, it was a very stark difference from living at home. So I've had all these liberties and freedoms now. So you have to balance partying and balance going to classes and Berkeley, you know, you have the top of the top. Right. So, you know, even though I was smart in my high school competing against like the smartest kids in all the high schools, you know, and, and then that competition was crazy, you know, like I've never like seen that kind of competition before, and uh, was so competitive that people during midterm and final I still remember this. I still have horror stories in my head and nightmares, where kids used to camp out at the library like right. for a week, and with like tents and stuff, you know, and like yeah. live there, like like it was insane, right? But that prepared me for, um, you know, the the life I'm embarking on today. So I'm I'm super grateful for that. Yeah.
2: And is your mom proud of? your work now does she understand your cuz you you work in tech but to my understanding you're not quite an engineer so so does your mom understand the work that you do and is she happy with it or does you do both your parents i guess
1: um she has no idea <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not an engineering but I'm it's what called like a developer advocate so i talk to other engineers on how to optimize the workflow or introduce new tools to them right i think i think that she's just happy that that part of my life is over in her mind it's like the hard part's done and like Asian like any other Asian parent you know you want your kid to be studious you know when you're going to middle school high school college right and then like with the flip of a switch they're like well now you need to get married and have kids I'm like what do you mean like I was just studying the whole time I couldn't even date you know like what what are you talking about right that transition was is just so quick where in in her mind she's like okay well you're all done now, you know, your, 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 your professional stuff's done. Now your personal life, give me grandkids, you know? I want right. grandkids now. Oh my gosh. I just, um, this, it's crazy how relatable
0: yeah. it is. It's, it's always the next thing. It's like, okay, you checked off, you did what I expected you to do. I don't know. I'm not saying my my mother's love is conditional, but sometimes it feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, it's like, she's happy that I am a financially stable adult that she doesn't did not have to support me or anything. And now, yeah, now the thing's been like, so what about, great? yeah, so grandkids. And like, so I totally understand. It's just like, wow, just on to the next one. You know, it's kind of like, uh it's, it, I never got the, uh I don't know if, uh, like for us, it was like, if I like got a good grade or something, I'd be like, mom, I did, I scored really well on this test and it was really hard. And she'd be like, well, I expected you to do good. So keep up, like, it wasn't like, oh, good job, sweetie. I'm so proud of you. It was like, that's what I expect of you. So keep it yeah. up. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I never got really those, uh, encouraging words for her to say. It was just kind of, this is what I expected and
1: you just got to meet it. <laughs> that's just a way of Asian moms showing love, you know? It, like, that's that's their language. It's just like, oh, you got an A? You didn't get an A plus? <laughs> <laughs> Try harder next time, you know? Right? Uh, and it's so funny because, you know, when you're growing up, it's like, you can't date anyone, <laughs> let alone, you know, have a kid. That will be like crazy. Because right, be, they're
0: distractions from your sc- Yeah, your yeah. Like, yeah.
1: no, and then like, at least for my parents, like they didn't even give me the birds and bees talk. They
0: didn't even they give me it. like
1: the, the, the sex talk and the protection talk or none of that. You know, they're just like, don't date anybody. <laughs> <on> you <laughs> <contrary laughs> on your schooling. Right. But right after college, like, all right. So when you having what I haven't even dated anyone, like, seriously yet. What do you, you haven't even met any of the girls I even dated before. Like, what's, what do you mean? You know? And then it was just like, I think, I think it was a different time when our parents were living, and especially my mom when she got out of the Korean War. And you know, like the only thing to do back then was like get married. And um, mm-hmm. Asia is still very a patriarchal society where you know the 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 woman is more of a homebody, and the man mm-hmm. is usually the the breadwinner, right? She still has those, I guess, thoughts in her head, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. you know, I just want to be the caring. Now grandmother, you know, and 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 right. like that's all I know is like kids and work, you know. Mm-hmm. But our generation, I'm like, mom, we have a thing called the internet. We have a thing <laughs> called like technology, and it's proven where as a society gets more advanced, they reproduce less. Yeah. You know, J- Japan is a clear example of that where they're going down in terms of birth rate. Korea is the same way, the United States is also the same way, where that's why we're very high on immigrants and all that kind of stuff. It's because as a society becomes more technology advanced, they reproduce less. They have sex less. You know, it's just a proven fact. Mm. Um, and and when I tell my mom, I'm like, oh, maybe I don't want to have kids. You know, maybe That's I don't. I don't. It, it, <laughs> and then she's like, what? You know, you gotta have kids. <laughs> and then her rebuttal is, who's gonna take care of you when you get old? Like when I'm old, you're taking care of me now. You and your sister yeah. taking care of me now. So like, you know, I'm I'm set. You know, and I'm like, mom, of course I'll take care of you, but. You know, I'm on the forefront of tech. We have self-driving cars. Like, I'm pretty sure when I get old like you, there's going to be robots that's going <laughs> to wipe my butt and take me to the doctor's <laughs> office or do whatever I got to do. I can see that. That's not in so far distant future, you know? But I think her mind is just like, yeah, babies at work, babies and work. Gotcha. You know? Everything that's ingrained in her mind. That's
0: her next thing for you now. Is that, yeah. And, and do you have siblings by any chance? Like, I'm just curious. I do. I okay, do. I have, a, okay. I have a
1: sister and she became the golden child of our family she became okay. a, uh, a an, an oral surgeon ah. and um, she's working on my teeth actually this friday <laughs> uh, that's, cool. Uh, that's cool obviously i'm not going to pay her anything because it's my sister <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but she's the you know she's now like the golden child right like okay. you know, she's she's the doctor in the family and, and all that kind of stuff and okay. you know she wants to have kids and i'm like yeah you you <laughs> There you go with the kids thing. I just want to be the Funko. I just want to spoil the kids and go in and yeah. out, you know, um,
0: yeah.
1: and, and, and do my own thing. But, um, uh, okay, gotcha. why can't
0: you be more like your sister? Huh? Is that, do you, do you ever get? No. I'm just, oh oh yeah.
1: All the time. <laughs> All the time. You know, my sister was like super smart. She skipped uh-huh. like two grades in like grade school, like, uh-huh. you know, way smarter than I am or than I will ever be. And that was like, you know, she was, um. You know, I don't know if you could tell, but but you know, I was always against the grain and she was always with the grain. Mm. So when I'm when I'm you know growing up, my mom was like, you gotta go to Kumon. Okay, you gotta get good grain, okay, you gotta do this, okay. Me, <laughs> I always why didn't I go to Kumon? Why do I need to do this? Why do they hang out with Korean people? I don't understand, you know, like I'm yeah. in America, it doesn't really matter. So my sister knows Korean better than I do. Mm. She did everything that my parents told me, told her to do. I was always against the grain, I was always fighting the status quo. I was always that um you know just questioning things, you know, and, yeah. and was was endlessly curious and still to this day I I still question things.
2: That's great. That's great. I you have to have those dynamics For I think sure. in families where yeah, you, you you know, often you have one who's who's a bit more of the golden child and then one who's who kind of tests tests things a little more. Um, yeah, Brianna.
0: Brianna was a golden child growing up, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we've like we've seems like flipped. way smarter than me.
2: Yeah, we've well, we've kind she, of both been both. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm
0: the financially stable one, so now I am the mother is proud with me at at the moment. But uh, I'm the I don't have kids, so she's she's uh not she hasn't been harping on me too much. But I know that as the time ticks with that, she will uh uh get more and more. <laughs>
1: Oh, so does, does does Brianna have kids or, or no? Uh, okay. no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I don't
2: know. <laughs> no, no. I'm I'm the one. I mean, because uh, as we've mentioned in past episodes, I am like oh, yeah. A, he doesn't know about uh, your background. Yeah, I guess actually. that's true. Um, so I am an opera singer. I've studied music in college, all throughout college. Um, undergrad and grad school, mm-hmm.
0: so she pursued her art.
2: Yeah, maybe. so I've I've pursued my art seriously for better or for worse, and um and yeah, and so needless to say, as a as an artist, I'm not super financially stable, <laughs> and haven't been. You know, I've had moments, but yeah, I haven't been. Um, while I haven't had like a full time job, so um, yeah, so so m- my mother is definitely not proud of that. <laughs> And I think she's regretted even encouraging me to, well, not that she was ever super encouraging, but uh, I think she regretted at least uh, entertaining the idea of me singing when I was like in high school and middle school and all of that. Now she's like, wait, I didn't expect you to actually like go into this (laughs) like
0: professionally. I think it's cool. It's been, it's, it's definitely a hard thing, but like watching her actually do it, it's like, that's hard to get paid as a professional musician. So you should, you always should. Keep that you know pat yourself on the back for that.'re we getting professional gigs.
1: So yeah, I, I that's, think that's great. I yeah. think that I was having this conversation with somebody else too, where uh, it's very rare for our Asian family to embrace the arts, let alone the creative realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that is is this is a secret sauce or the superpower going forward. A good example of that is going back to the college story, right? If I got to Berkeley or Stanford and i go to berkeley and my first year i'm like hey mom i'm gonna drop out now and i have this cool music idea at the startup (laughs) thing i'm gonna incorporate tech and like music Mm -hmm. stuff or just music or whatever else i am gonna do that she'd be like you're crazy you're gonna you're gonna drop out of college you worked your ass off for and going to berkeley and now you're gonna quit like yeah. that's that's you are nuts. You're 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 crazy. You know, what's wrong with you, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at my Caucasian friends or my white friends and and uh, uh Steve Johns or Bill Gates was like, hey mom, you know, I got to Harvard, but I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna do the software thing, you know. I think it's gonna be big, you know, or a Zuckerberg, right? I'm gonna do the social network right, thing. Right. White families will support that. They're like, you should do it. You have my, <laughs> you have my full support, you know. I believe in you. Asian families are like What are you, are you, are you at drugs? Like what's, what's going (laughs) on with you? Are you, are you, are you mentally unstable? Like what's, what's happening now? But I think that's what, why there's so many of these white founders and, and not Mm -hmm. only Mm -hmm. tech, but in all these other industries is (laughs) because like, yes, it's hard. Yes. It's not a proven route. Yes. It's going against the grain, but I think that's what makes them special. You know, that's why, Mm -hmm. um, it's very clear, you know, like, um, Asians are very good at following rules and staying in the lane, keep your head down, mm-hmm. do everything that you're told to do. But you know, you're know you not taught to like go against the grain or, or question what's going on or doing something independently or going down a road less traveled or starting your own business or starting your own company or doing singing, right? Like that's very uh, taboo still, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that that needs to change, you know? And I think it's slowly changing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see a little bit more agent CEOs doing you know cool stuff out there. Mm-hmm. But it's still very much if you go to Asia, is just go to a good college, follow the rules, work at Samsung, get your life set, you know, or financially yeah. stable, yeah. whatever that yeah. means, right? But I think that doing the arts, doing the creative or doing something on your own not only takes courage, but like I said before, it is a secret sauce um yeah. or or the superpower to, do something really compelling in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And I really believe that. Yeah. Um, I, I I really do. So have the utmost uh, uh respect for you for yeah. doing the singing thing, because that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's <laughs> I, I think, yeah,
0: it's true. Our Jamaican parents are definitely like, what are you doing? Like, why you know, yeah. I think because for them, like, like like we talked about, you know, there's like three different job titles you can have, right? And it's like if you don't fit within those three categories, it's it's like, what? And then, then they're like, we sacrifice so much to to take, you know, to to do this, and like I didn't have these options, and my mom's always told us, like I think you have too many options in America. Sometimes is what she's told us, and you know, and, and I don't know for for about you, but like for me, I for sure like almost feel this indebtedness to them. Like I saw where my my mom and dad have grown up, and I, and I know it's you know they gave me a better opportunity. So you almost <laughs> you almost struggle with this, like okay, do I do what I want to do, or do I do you know my what I've wanted to do kind of aligns with what my parents are okay with. Um, but, like, yeah, it's it's a, it's a tricky balance sometimes when you're a, a child of immigrants and you and you know their expectations that they want for you, but you you kind of, you know, you've had different experiences and been exposed to more things and, and you like the creative stuff and um, they don't always understand that.
1: Yeah, and they have those crazy immigrant stories. You know, like, oh, you know, when I was your age, I used to walk, like, 50 miles to go to school with, like, a bag full of bricks. And, like, you know, I did do this crazy stuff. And I'm like, I, I, I get that, you know, but... A bag full of bricks. I like that, but you know, I know exactly I'm, what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm. it's not it's not what it is today. You know, right. like things are changed. You know? Like, yeah. I understand what you did. I'm thankful for what you did. And that's good for you because you did all that stuff. But like I said before, I think Asian parents are very, or even immigrants are just very, um, want to go for a sure route. You yeah. know, like, hey, if you want to become a lawyer, that's for sure. You want to become an engineer, for sure, you'll be stable doctor, for sure, you'll get the, the only the, the stability for our finances, but also the prestige that okay. you would get. But I think that, like I said before, I think the people who have the most prestige in the shows are people who are creators, are people who start their things on their own, are people who take a chance and go against the grain and do something ridiculous and something out of this world, you know? And um, if I have kids, that's what I'll tell them to do. You know, I won't be yeah. like, you have to become an engineer or a lawyer or a doctor. I'm like, no, like do what you're passionate about. Maybe you'll be a starving artist. Maybe you won't. Uh, maybe you'll find some cool things that I didn't see beforehand. <laughs> but I think the name of the game is being creative. You know, and I think that is something that's going to be very sought after in this AI driven world that we live in, because things like become a lawyer could be automated with something like a GPT that could crawl through millions of case files in an instant and and come up with some kind of uh, response or even becoming a doctor or, or engineer, even our jobs, you know, with GitHub Copilot or some of these other things that could help you code. I could see it where it could code better than a human can, right? Mm-hmm. Then what? You know, what happens then, you know? But it will be very rare for like an AI robot, you know, to do something independent like an opera singer or um doing something in the arts or creatives that's gonna be very hard to duplicate in my opinion going forward
2: yeah i like this
1: conversation
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah
1: i just know she
0: gets some shade from my I mom so i try to encourage her because i'm like you're definitely braver than me because i i i played music but i played music but i didn't pursue it and you know, there's, like I said, there's courage in it. Um, so yeah, kudos, kudos.
2: yeah. Uh, one time in one of my many conversations with my mother about this topic generally, yeah. You know, I said, you know, mom, didn't you have any dreams growing up? And she was like, you know what? In Jamaica, we didn't have dreams. <laughs> She's like, we didn't, we didn't have time for dreams. And so it's just like, okay, well there's that. <laughs> and there's no arguing with that one. um, so I think just to kind of wrap this part up, I I wanted to ask, like, did your so you mentioned at one time your your mom and like the Korean War and how things were at that time. Did your mom tell you? Did your mom or your dad tell you any stories about like living in that time or growing up in that time?
1: Um, like I said before, I think that um, and and I'm pretty sure they embellished their stories. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Is um, you know walking a long distance or uh food was hard to get by, or um, you know, and, and that goes into like not wasting food, that goes back to like the frugality of everything, right? Like for example, when I was growing up, I'm eating, 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 and I'm telling my mom, hey, I'm full and there's some food left over, but can't waste that food. You know, mm-hmm. when I grew up, we didn't have that much food. So you had to eat all of it, you know, even though it was full. In other cultures, uh particularly like maybe Caucasian or white cultures, but hey, if you're full, you're full, you know, and I think that's like common practice today is like, Hey, if your kid says you're full, they're full, you know, like, like you can't like overfeed them or whatever else. Um, cause the science proves that, you know, like you know, you're just overeating for the sake of overeating or whatever else. And I think that, you know, since that nutrition wasn't the highest back then and you could tell by just seeing how the younger you get in population, the bigger the humans are. So I don't know if you noticed, but like Gen Z's are a lot taller than millennials. Mm -hmm. And then before that, the boomers and before that, whatever generation there is. And I think it's because of nutrition, right? Like, you know, back then you probably didn't get to eat and didn't have all the luxuries that you have today. So kids now are a lot bigger. You know, I see that, you know, when I go out there, I'm like, holy Mm -hmm. crap, you're like 12. (laughs) I'm like looking at you like this, like what's, what's happening. Right. And I think that's what our parents wanted, or at least my parents wanted was like, hey, I'm going I'm to gonna shove milk down you. I'm going to shove all this food down here so you could be like a lot taller and a lot bigger than than I was, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that was the main thing within the Korean War was it was like food was very hard to come by. And, and from that war, out came out some dishes in Korean culture that's still true today that has become one of my favorites. And one of those cuisines or one of that food dishes is called kurechigae or army stew. Right, and 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 what that means is that you get whatever else is in your fridge, you put it together in a boiling pot, you make it all together. And today it's been a lot Americanized and, and modernized, where you have spam in there, you have hot dogs in there, you have ramen noodles in there, you have kimchi in there, you have tofu, in there, you, have, you have like everything up in there, right? But that's that became one of my favorite dishes. But that spawned from the Korean War it was because they didn't have enough food, um, and they had to figure out a way to make something delicious and um out of necessity, that's what came out of it. Right. So I think that they're only trying to give me and us things that they didn't grow up with. Yeah. You know, um, and to make that a reality for us, you know, like having ample enough food, having a good shelter, having an opportunity to go to good schools, having the opportunity to become more than what they were. You know, we talked about this before too, where you know you we're, we're pressurized to make them proud or make it not go to waste for the sacrifices they gave to us, you know, for immigrating and going through this hardship and all of that. I respect that hundred percent. Right. But like I said before, they're all about taking it safe way, all about what they admired when they were young. Ooh, a doctor, ooh, a lawyer, ooh, an engineer, the utmost, not only monetary rise, financial wise, but also respect wise, you know, and that's a big thing in Asian culture is like your face, you know, and the uh, the value that you bring and, and how other people will look upon you, right? And I think that's changed a lot, in, as, you know, especially with our generation, is that especially if you're working somewhere like tech, it doesn't matter if you wear a three-piece suit. It doesn't matter if you wear a Rolex or fancy shoes or whatever else. Now it's all about what you know, you know? And that's why things like going to Harvard or going to Berkeley has thrown out the window for all these big tech companies is because... um they're more about interested into what you know, what you can do, rather than a fancy piece of paper or 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 the prestige that you bring along with it, right? Like who cares if you went to Harvard? If you didn't know no crap, I'm not gonna hire you. You know, like it's just, you know, plain and simple. Um, but I think that's what our parents, or at least my parents, um, instilled in me is, is they want to give us things that they didn't have when they were growing up, or give us a little bit better opportunities that they didn't have, right? So I can't. I can not knock them for that, you know. That's their mindset, and we have our own mindset. And I think, you know, over the years, I've broken down my mom uh, to <laughs> to accept, um, you know, other things that I want to do later in life, and you know, they may not fit into her grandmaster plan. But at the end of the day, I just ask her, "Hey, do you want to see your son happy, or mm-hmm. do you want to see your son forced into something that they don't want to do? Even if it becomes like I won't make as much money, or I won't have as much prestige." at the end of the day, in my mind, I'm like, who cares? Who cares what people think about me? You know, like most of the people that judge me for whatever I'm doing are the people that I'm not going to even be there when I really need them anyways, you know? So who, what is this thing I'm trying to prove, right? So um, that's a long-winded answer of of yeah. of yeah where I currently stand.
0: I understand. You brought up some really great points. And I think, you know, I, we make jokes about how uh, mother's love is conditional and all that, but it's all in good fun. Like I, they don't really mean any malice by it like it no. really is just like um i, I would say uh, they made sure our creature comforts were there right like you have food you you have a house over your head those kind of things sometimes i felt for us the emotional um thing or like empathy empathy thing wasn't really there um but that's just something from their upbringing like it was just kind of like you gotta survive and and so they're trying to make sure you know we're met there and and i we can totally relate to on the i think the i think the bragging rights or like the kind of being able to the prestige, as you said, um, is is a big deal. At least I don't know. Like, oh my, my son does this. You know, my daughter does X, Y, and Z. Yeah, definitely can see that as a thing. I guess. Um, so, I, I think I think that definitely crosses the different borders for sure. Cross immigrants. Yeah.
2: All right. So now I want to kind of transition into talking about Korean culture more broadly, um, and. The very first question I want to ask is the same thing we asked to our other Korean-American guest, um, and that is about this recent wave of just popularity of Korean entertainment, K-dramas, K-pop, Korean skincare. What do you make of this global outbreak of popularity in, in Korean entertainment?
1: Yeah, that's a um, very good question, Brianna. Um, I have some strong feelings about this.
2: <laughs> I'd love to hear them.
1: And it's a little spicy take, but I'm going to say it because <laughs> I believe in it. I feel that the uprise in Korean music and K-dramas have a lot to do with Koreans' artificial beauty standards. So Korea, if you don't know, is their number one per capita that anywhere else in the world for people to do cosmetic surgeries or, or skincare, right? Um, we spend the most. And one of the most popular ones is to have the double eyelid surgeries to make your eyes look bigger to make it look more Caucasian, look, look, look you know, bigger, like anime style, right? Which is not indicative to how we really look like. So that's following the West the beauty standard, right? And other you know, trends that have been coming up in the last few years or you know, maybe five to ten years is you wanna, especially women want to augment the for stuff about their bodies. To make it look more Western, right? I'm not going to go into that any degree. You guys <laughs> probably already noticed, but there's certain things like- to make it. You know, you're not naturally built like that, right? But you want to make yourself more Americanized, and this indicative also to American music. So if you listen to someone like a Blackpink or a New Jeans or you know groups like that, a lot of their songs have his, uh, the hit songs have a lot of American in the songs meshed with Korean, right? Yeah. Why did they do that? still so they could have a broader market in terms of like okay like at least the chorus is an american so i could follow along and i think that's really vital for popular music nowadays you know where where it be a taylor swift or a drake the commonality that i see is that their songs are very easy to follow along and to sing to when you're at a concert and when you sing those tunes or sing those uh words you are somewhat connected with everyone else right and if it was all korean in my opinion. I don't think it would have the reach as it would today. Alongside with that is the way that Korean pop stars dress both men and and, uh, a woman are very westernized. The dance moves are very westernized and you know I I make fun of it um, to my mom when I go back to Korea I'm like look like these Korean girls are trying to be like Beyonce. (laughs) <laughs> and they have like the same thing as like a Beyonce, you know, and you're acting like that, right? I'm like, that's kind of lame, in my opinion, you know, like it's it's a little lame to do that because you're just following the West and what they do. Now, Korean dramas are a little different uh, because they're mostly in Korean. They have some, a little bit of American antidotes here and there, but they're mostly in Korean. And I think that they're the most severe dramas that you could think about in, in a human mind, you know, like... Classic example is like a boy and girl fall in love, and then like the girl or the guy might get the disease, and then like they might not be able to see each other or something. There might be some kind of like you know third wheel that happens to try to take the girl or the guy, and then like maybe a murder or something gets mixed in there, you know. And it's just like man, this is like the extreme extreme, you know. It's like (laughs) holy, you know, crap, right? It's just to the point where it's like the worst of the worst, and for better or for worse, humans thrive on drama you see that on the news right bad news sells more than good news you know if you look at the news today it's all about all the bad things that happen oh this happened this happened this happened but rarely do you see like oh yeah like this person saved this kitten that was up the tree and like made this family happy like humans by nature in my opinion want to see the worst in people right that's why when there's a traffic jam everyone looks you know like what's going on there not like we're gonna pull over and help them out. We just want to see what's going on. Like, oh, a bad accident. Oh, bad. and you just drive away slowly, right? But you know, no one really. I'm gonna pull over and I'm gonna help them out. No, that's not it. You, know, you just want to see the bad things. Maybe it's to make your own life feel better. Maybe it's for other reasons. I don't know, right? But you know, that's just natural human nature. I think Korean people, or at least Korean media, capitalize on that, right? So I think that's why it's so popular um in different countries, especially like I've seen a lot of Mexican friends that are from Mexico that have telenovas, but the Korean dramas are overtaking it because it's more drama than the telenovas, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like, like holy crap. Okay, okay. Um, so I think that's the way I answer. That being said, I do respect Korean culture. I do respect the media that we produce out, I do respect the um ingenuity and uh creative thinking for shows like squid game you know um where it was very unique but at the core of it it's like people killing people in in squid game right like, oh i'm gonna kill you to get this money and and that was the premise of the show but that's what people loved about it you know if you call it cynical or whatever verbiage you want to put on us that's what people love is like, oh i wonder what's gonna happen you know with this last <laughs> round i wonder who's gonna kill off who for x amount of money you know And I think that's just why it's so popular now is because Korean music kind of catapulted to popular, you know, culture of mind and all that kind of stuff. But it has a lot of Western influence and that also catapulted to K-dramas, right? But now I think that um, Korean immigrants or even Asian immigrants will have a lot easier time to be assimilated into American culture, right? Because now it's cool to be ethnic or to, you know, come from these countries and you're viewed as exotic or, you know, whatever, you know, they they describe us as, uh, but back in my time when I came over and that's what I tell my kids, <laughs> we weren't like that. You know, they made fun of us for our food, going back to the kimchi example, right? oh that smells funny, right? But now they want to try because it's in these dramas, in these videos, right? And, you know, it's become somewhat normalized, whatever that means, right? yeah um so so that's how i feel about it i do respect it but it's not like um i'm like tuning into the next release of <laughs> right. you're pink not a hype or, train or, or, yeah. or whatever else right like i'm like oh is, it's good music it's cool you know but I'm, it's funny because one of my Caucasian friends like, oh we have to go to this black pink concert in in vegas they're coming through and i'm like who cares like i don't know <laughs> there but, like, but this black pink you know like how cool is that i'm like well, first of all black Peak isn't all korean there's like a thai girl in there right in Malaysia, i think right? like three
2: of them like are actually like yeah, they're yeah. korean descent but they're not like from korea yeah
1: yeah, yeah. so i'm like Is that not really korean you know <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: um but like um uh, i think that as long as the cells still continue to do it and there's a reason for them to do it
2: yeah that's really that's very very interesting yeah yeah our, our other guests kind of had Somewhat similar sentiments about it. Next one. Do you have a favorite celebrity from Korea? And it could be a Korean-American as well.
1: Um, I would say it would have to be Cy really? from condom Style. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and the reason why is that when *Condom Style came out, that was very him. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't, it didn't follow any American precedent before, even the video was wild. You know, it was just like, yeah. what, what is happening here? Right. And like I said before, and that's a trend with me is like I, I highly respect people who are original in their ideas, yeah. who are, are not afraid to be a trailblazer, no matter how weird or strange it may be. And that set the tone even before Blackpink, even before new G- even before all the stuff that's coming out now, he was kind of like a catalyst, right? Like. I'm pretty sure Gangnam Style was like all in Korean or mostly in Korean, and and it was it was it was so wild (laughs) that um, everything in the imagery arises right, like guy like in the elevator and like he's coming up and then like guy's like doing these gyrations and the gun is underneath (laughs) his legs, you know, like like it's become so big that like he has a statue in Korea of his hands. So if you go to Korea, (laughs) there's these golden hands, like like jumbo sized um, in Gangnam where like he's doing this but mm-hmm. it's just a hand right and it's a memorial to Sai and for me I respect that, my, that man so much it's just like wow like you're a trailblazer you're authentically Korean and yeah. you had to at the time the highest viewed video on YouTube like over a billion views or whatever else and that's what I, just, I, I respect a lot in, in Korean culture is like Make it your own. You don't have to follow the West. You don't have to show off whatever you want to show off, you know. Uh make it unique and be creative about it. And I think those are those are mm-hmm. things that people have affinity to or people are drawn to, is the people who are not cookie cutters, who are not following the leader, who are their own, pave their own path and 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 really show off um their personality in, the, in a very unique yeah. way. That's a great example. Of- of what you just, like,
0: you know, discussed about that kind of originality in music. And Dustin, producer Dustin on the side here just brought up a picture of uh, those golden hands that you talked yeah. about. So that's kind of yeah, cool yeah, yeah. to see mm-hmm. the visual of what you're talking about. So interesting. Very cool. Yeah. That's very, that's, very neat.
2: That's a throwback. I forgot about that. Yeah, Sire. I know. That is
0: true. <laughs> nice. But I love the answer. I love the reasoning yeah, behind it, for sure. yeah.
2: Very cool. All right. All right. Next question. Do you have like a happy place uh, in Korea when you visit? Do you have like a, a favorite place or a place that brings you good memories?
1: Um, so there's an amusement park called Lotte World. Um, it's a place that I used to go a lot as a kid. And I like going back there even as an adult to one, to walk that memory lane. But two, it's just a beautiful spot. You know, it's just a beautiful place. In Seoul. I was born in Seoul so that place will always have like a like a special place in my heart second place would probably be in Gangnam because a lot of my family is in Gangnam um so that's where I spend a lot of my time when I go back to Korea but those are probably my two spots that that um, really resonate with me
2: the last of the trivia questions uh is there something that you do in Korea that you don't do in the U.S.
1: um I would say uh, forcible drinking from my, <laughs> uh, from my uh, relatives and also some of my friends where in America, like you could say no to drinking. Like, I don't want to go to the bar. I don't want to go to the club or whatever else. Right. In Korea and also in Japan, it's like in culture where if your boss says, hey, we're going out drinking doesn't matter if you have five kids or 10 kids or a wife that's (laughs) mad at you, your butt's got to go out and you're going to drink until he stops drinking. That's, that's very ingrained in like in Korean and Japanese culture where, um, drinking is, is, is not only, um, something done with your peers, but also done it professionally. And it's also like a litmus test on how you can control yourself. So for example, you know, my cousin works at Samsung and if he wants to like close a big deal or something like that with like, let's say, I don't know, Sony, and they're like, Hey, we're going to go out drinking together. If my cousin shows that he's drunk and he can't control himself, he'll look down upon. you but like, okay, the mind, the logic is, Hey, if you can't con- control your liquor, how can you control my money? You know, mm-hmm. like you still have to like drink, but also be on, you know? Um, and not be a fool and not doing something stupid and not doing something scandalous. Right. You still have to be in the right mind. So you still have to be able to do a conversation. Um, and that shows strength or like power. It may sound ridiculous here, but some of the biggest deals are done over bars or some of the biggest deals are done over a golf course still to this day, you know, um, and you're drinking on there all day long. Right. Mm -hmm. And and you just have to do it by experience or, or whatever else, but you just have to be ready for that. You Mm -hmm. know, whether you like drinking or not, you you gotta do it. You gotta do it.
2: <laughs> wow, yeah. I have heard that. I have heard about the drinking culture in, in yeah. Korea. Very yeah. interesting. Um, all right. So so we're coming around to the very end. So uh can you tell me one thing that you maybe love the most about Korean culture?
1: I guess our um competitive edge. So I feel like Koreans are very competitive in like things that we do. And we have like a a fun word that co- associates with that. That word is like fighting or fighting, you know. Like, and that is just like ingrained in our culture to be like. Mm. That doesn't mean like a physical fight. It means like you're fighting for to become the best student or become the best worker or become the best chef or become whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. Or to win a game, you know. Like fighting is like a very common thing that Koreans say to showcase their competitive spirit, you know. And I think. I respect that a lot in, in Korean culture is that um, whatever we're doing, you know, we want to be competitive. You know, we want to be shoulder to shoulder to um, not only our peers, but to the rest of the world, you know? And I think that's why we, we want to do, you know, really good at music. We want to do really good at media. We want to do really good at sports, something that's like universal, right? Where you compete on a global stage, whether it be the Olympics or some kind of world, you know, thing. Right. And you take pride in that, you know, we take pride in like, all right, we won this many gold medals or we won this, you know, against this race or whatever else it may be. Right. So I think that's what I, I respect the most. And I think that's what I I take away from um, Korea as well, is that I high tenacity and, and whatever I do. And in the mindset of like, you're only human, you know, and that's the way I think is like, I don't think anyone's better than anybody else. I'm like, you're human, just like me, you bleed red. Why can't I do that? What What you're doing? And, you know, I could work just as hard as you. That takes no talent. It's just a mindset. You know, I'm coming after you, right? And and that's 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 the mentality I still have today. Is is you know, I don't I don't care who you are. I will be competitive. If I have a fighting chance, I will I will do it. You know, and and that's what I really love about green culture.
2: Great. Well, thank you so much, Jude, for joining us today. It was so great yeah. to hear your answers. Some really insightful. Uh, thoughts there. So, thank you so much for coming. It was really lovely talking to you. No, it was great.
0: I'd love to. Great to hear your side of the story. Yeah, and just to, you know, I, we use it as like it's a learning experience for us, and we just mm-hmm. really hope the guests will, you know, take that as well. So it was yeah. cool. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again for having me on. I feel honored and privileged to be on your show. <laughs> uh, it's amazing that you folks are doing this on top of everything that you're doing. I know it's hard to do extracurricular activities alongside <laughs> yeah. with like your day jobs alongside yeah. with your significant others alongside with just life stuff you know so yeah. um big kudos to you keep it going thank and you. i'm hope to see this podcast on different platforms yeah. Um, yeah i'll definitely shout it out on my socials when we yeah. get there but yeah just want to say thank you for having me of course um this was a great experience the questions were uh, amazing and were awesome. thoughtful And um, it really allowed me to speak naturally with, um, you know, um, things that i have been experienced or I have felt before. So I just want to say thank you again. Um, This was great.
2: Thank you again to June for joining us today. Those were really insightful answers. It was so interesting to hear his perspective on Korean culture and his really unique upbringing coming here from the age of nine and having to adjust to American life and how it feels now kind of being in between Korean culture and American culture not really feeling like he belongs to either one that's a a common refrain we've heard but it was really interesting to hear his uh, specific perspective so thank you so much june and thank you listeners for tuning in to the show today Uh, we do hope you'll join us for future episodes and we also hope that you will leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast it would really help us out and help us to get these stories out there to even more listeners Thank you, and bye-bye. Have a great week, everyone.